There is a misperception among children and young people that these products are harmless. Mm. And that's not the case at all. You know, we know the vapour from an e-cigarette contains nicotine. We know that that's highly addictive. Uh, volatile organic compounds, it contains heavy metals, it contains ultra-fine particles, it contains chemicals which have been linked with the development of cancer. You know, th- there's a lot of good reason to be concerned when we look at the chemical profile of those. Hello and welcome to another episode of the HSE Talking Health and Wellbeing podcast. My name is Noreen Turley and today we're going to discuss e-cigarettes and vaping. We're joined today by public health specialist and clinical lead for the Tobacco Free Ireland programme, Dr. Paul Cavanagh. We're also joined by Susan McNicholas, health promotion and improvement officer and stop smoking advisor. This is a hot topic, guys that we're going to be discussing today. Every time I pick up the newspaper, every time I listen to the radio, social media, it's all about vaping at the moment. Or maybe I'm just very conscious of it as well because in preparation for this. Paul, my understanding is that smoking among young people has been decreasing quite nicely up until recently. And now we see this upsurge in vaping over the last number of years. And sometimes I think, where did this come from and how have we got to this stage? Yeah, so certainly, Noreen, the issue of vaping or using e-cigarettes among children and young people is something that we're worried about from a public health perspective. You're absolutely right. Look, let's let's start with the positives and, and reflect on the achievements that we've been successful with. So certainly when you look at smoking and, and where smoking was a generation ago, about one in three people um, in Ireland would have smoked back at the end of the 20th century. Where we are now, though, that's down to one in five people. And that's that's great progress. And that's through a combination of of policy measures that have been implemented, things like the workplace smoking ban, plain packaging. But I think importantly, it's because as a society, our norms around smoking have changed. You know, we no longer think it's acceptable. If you think a couple of generations ago, people would have been smoking in the workplace, smoking in cinemas, smoking on the bus. And now, like, I'm sure if a kid is out for a walk and they see somebody light up a cigarette, they're probably looking to the parent going, what on earth is that? You know, so the norms have changed. And then, as you say, that has tracked true because we've seen very steady declines in terms of smoking using combustible traditional cigarettes among children and young people. But certainly the issue around vaping and e-cigarette use, that is a concern for us. You know, when we look at it from a data perspective. There are a couple of surveys that we do nationally with children and young people, which give us sort of a check on the pulse in terms of their health behaviours, including their use of e-cigarettes. So if we look at something like the Health Behaviour School Children Survey, which is done for us by our colleagues in National University of Galway, and that's part of a cross-country WHO initiative um, that looks at children and young people that are aged 12 years and older. And in that survey, about one in 10 boys said that they were currently using um, e-cigarettes and about one in 15 girls said that they were currently using e-cigarettes. So that's a bit concerning. And that's the most recent data that we have, which is from 2018. And we're expecting more up-to-date data very shortly. Then if we look at the SBAD survey, and that's focused in on 16-year-olds, so a slightly older kind of cohort, about one in five 16-year-olds said that they were currently using e-cigarettes in the most recent SPAD survey and that's from 2019 and I suppose the thing with the SPAD survey Noreen is that it gives us a trend over time so at the last time that we asked children who were age 16 children and young people age 16 that question was back in 2015 and at that point one in 10 told us that they were currently using e-cigarettes So, so what do you think it is now Paul? From, from 1 in 10 in 2015 up to 1 in 5 16 year olds in 2019 and I suspect we're waiting for the most recent 
Ireland Health Behaviour School Children Survey that was done in 2022 to be published. But if you look at that, you know, that's a line going upwards. Yeah. So I expect that we'll see that it's higher again. Why is that? You know, I think there are a number of different factors around this. You know, the product itself, I, I think for children and young people, is presented in a way that's quite appealing, you know, in terms of flavours, packaging, colour, the fact that it's behind the counter, you know, and things like that. I think there have been concerns in terms of how the product is marketed as well. People will be aware in the US, for example, there have been significant issues with Juul, which were a big producer of e-cigarettes and the way that they marketed the product and, and how that was appealing for children and young people. So I think the time is now for us to be talking about this issue. I think the time is now for us to be sharing this information with children, young people, parents and schools. And I think the time is now as well in terms of action from our government to support us all, create an environment which we would want for children and young people, which is that they're protected from harms. Yeah, and I know and I do understand you say the time is now, but do you think we're in a race against time? Because those figures are from 2018 and personally, I see a huge increase in the number of, maybe that's because that's the age of my kids at the minute, that I see the number of kids that are smoking. And we'll talk to Susan as well about the number of people that are coming to you, Susan, in the colleges. But I'm nearly frightened about the numbers that are going to come out in the 2022 survey. Yeah, so look, uh, Noreen, I think we'd echo those points, echo those concerns. Obviously, we don't have the most up-to-date data yeah, yet. That's, yeah. that's awaited. But if you look at the trend that we saw from the SBAD survey, that is an upward trend. And yeah. then when we link that with a lot of information that we're hearing from the ground as well, from parents, from schools, from people like Susan who are delivering our stop smoking services and the people that are coming to them and the problems they're describing. I think we're anticipating that this problem may have become even more established. Yeah. And Susan, who are coming to you? I know that you not only look after or you not only provide a service for young people, but also people who want to quit smoking. But I suppose we're kind of thinking about the young people today, really, and what seems to be influencing them. Sure. Well, first of all, I am working in Dublin, North City and County, and we have 21 uh, stop smoking clinics around the county, which is great. And it's free for all, a medical card, non-medical card, young, old, it doesn't matter. We see people who are just smoking. And I don't mean just as in just, but literally they're just tobacco users, people who smoke and vape and also people who vape. And without a doubt, vaping is a huge, huge concern for younger people. And, you know, some Students come into me from some of the universities around Dublin, around my, where I am based, and a lot of them are very concerned about their vaping or their smoking or their vaping and smoking habits. Be un, under no delusions, nicotine is a highly addictive, it's a very powerful drug. And though they initially think that they are not going to get addicted, they do very quickly for loads of different reasons. And like what Paul said earlier on, marketing is huge. Uh, you know, they're following Instagram and all social media. They've influencers, you know, advertising very, very yeah. obviously, you know, how cool it is to vape. You know, it's like, you know, years ago when people were smoking, it was seen in movies and things and it was nearly seen to be the, the end thing to do. That's what's actually happening with yeah. vaping now, which is sad. Of course, it's the tobacco companies who are behind it that are responsible for this. I actually had a young uh, university student student there in the last week or so who came to see me and she was at length, she was a smoker and a vapor and she was at length telling me about, you know, the different colours that you can get, you know, with the different plastic colours for matching outfits and how, you know, cool these are. She, she struggled to find any friends that didn't vape in her group. 
and that the flavours were fantastic and, you know, really mm. appealed to her because it didn't smell like cigarette smoke. And then she was at pains to tell me that in the recent weeks and months, there has been a new vape that's out that actually had a white LED light. And the oh. friends loved this. Apparently, this was really the end thing to do. So this is really out. cool when you're in your yeah. night out. You have. Yeah. So then I turned around at the end of the conversation and said to her, OK, well, that's that's great to know all about the colours and sizes and shapes and <laughs> lights and everything else. But how much nicotine was in your vape? And she kind of looked at me and, and this is the university. This isn't like a young girl. Like, well, she's young, but you know, she's not a, a secondary school girl. And she actually said to me, Oh, I have no idea. I've never yeah. looked at that. So, and um, then they're probably, she doesn't have a clue. She had no idea how much no nicotine idea. she was taking. And yeah. the problem as well with the vapes is there's no actual ingredients on the side of these. So they actually mm. don't know what's in them. And they hear there's some chemicals and some flavors, which that can't do any harm. But the reality is they've been heated. These flavors have been heated and put into their lungs. So obviously. Absolutely. And Paul, do you want to come in there? Yeah, no, look, I mean, it's re- really interesting to hear from the front line in terms mm. of the story that Susan is telling us there, some of the issues that there are around vaping. And I think Susan has captured it very well for us, which is that there is a misperception among children and young people that these products are harmless, Mm. you know, and people may think that the vapour that they're inhaling, sure, that's kind of an innocent water vapour. And that's not the case at all. You know, we know the vapour from an e-cigarette contains nicotine. We know that that's highly addictive, as Susan has just reminded us there doesn't just contain nicotine. It contains other chemicals as well. So it contains uh, volatile organic compounds. It contains heavy metals. It contains ultrafine particles. It contains chemicals which have been linked with the development of cancer. And then, of course, there's the flavours and colours. And many of those things are actually food additives, never designed for people to inhale into their lungs. So, you know, there's a lot of good reason to be concerned when we look at the chemical profile of those. Then when we look at some of the big studies that have been conducted in terms of the harms of e-cigarettes, and I'm thinking about within our own country, our Health Research Board did a piece of work for our government around the harms of e-cigarettes. In the US, the US Surgeon General has done a big report about the harms of e-cigarettes as well. And there are a number of harms. So there are immediate direct harms. So these include things like burns and fractures from the device exploding. There can be immediate acute effects from inhaling very high doses of um, nicotine. There are issues as well then in terms of effect on the lungs, on the cardiovascular system, on the mouth, on the uh, gums and teeth and things like that. For people who have asthma, which would be a very common condition among children and young absolutely. people, definitely we know that there are issues there in terms of exacerbating asthma. I think one of the questions then as well, I mentioned the fact that the vapour from e-cigarettes includes carcinogens. And when the Health Research Board looked at this, um, they, they corroborated that. And they also identified some studies which had shown that there were were some cellular changes associated with that as well. Now, look, we're at a very early stage in terms of our yeah. understanding around e-cigarettes at this point in time. It took us 20, 30 years to really understand the furl harm that's associated with smoking. But I think all of this underscores that we need to be very cautious. And I think particularly for our children and young people, for whom there's no question in terms of potentially a health benefit from e-cigarettes. There's no health benefit. There's Mm. only harms. And we need to do what we can to protect our children and young people in terms of the use of e-cigarettes. So, Paul, what we're really saying is we really do not know what is contained in e-cigarettes. Well, Noreen, I would say we do know some of the things. That some are of the them, things, but we And are know, definitely harmful. Yeah. And I think in terms of how all of that translates when somebody has been using an e-cigarette device many times a day for many years. Yes. What that means in terms of their risk of chronic lung disease, chronic heart disease, Absolutely. developing cancer. All of that is yet to unfold. Absolutely. One of the other things that young people are really aware about is the environment. And Susan, is there an impact on the environment in relation to e-cigarettes or vaping? 
Yeah, I'm actually uh, glad you brought that up, Noreen, because it's something that we actually have to be very mindful about. Obviously, the vapes, the way they're operated, that the heat of liquid is via lithium battery. And we've got thousands upon thousands of people disposing of vapes that have lithium batteries that don't degenerate naturally. They're also fu- uh, full of plastic. So it's so, so bad for the environment. And obviously, we have to be mindful of that. And you're right. Young people are very pro, you know, global warming and good for the environment. So it's something to remind them that uh, obviously, by buying disposable vapes, they're, they're not doing very good for the environment in that move. Yeah. And Paul, did you want to come in there? Absolutely. Definitely. You know, I, I, I think one of the great things is uh, children and young people are so aware of environmental health issues and really are leading the way and are great, great advocates around that. And I wonder how many of them are aware that um, e-cigarettes, particularly the disposable e-cigarettes, are impactful in a negative mm. way when it comes to the environment. There is, of course, recently been a consultation from our Department of the Environment um, in relation to potentially a ban um, on disposable e-cigarettes from an environmental perspective. So be very interested to see uh, how that plays out. And I know our health minister um, has spoken about this issue as well. So very definitely on environmental grounds, I think there's good reason for us to be concerned when it comes to disposable e-cigarettes in particular. Yeah. And Paul, you buy your, your e-cigarette, you don't know what's in it, but you smoke because you're not too sure. It doesn't say on the label exactly what's in it. But then what about all these additives that I've anecdotally heard that people can add to the e-cigarette? That even is more scary. So we're not worried about nicotine now. We're worried about all the other things that they're putting into it. Yeah. And Susan, yeah, you might have some examples. <laughs> oh, I do. <laughs> There's very little. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, you probably have examples of this. Yeah. Just to, to add as well, just before I start, is just that we now know as well that if, if people vape, because there's two types of people that, you know, that vape. There's one that are smokers mm. that actually want to quit and they think that vaping is going to help them. And that's, HC does not recommend that at all. Yeah, um, but they, they recommend it in the NHS. So why doesn't the HSE recommend it, Paul? Yeah, so certainly we can take time when we can discuss that now. Um, yeah. As Susan said, the HC offers stop smoking services. They're mm. available across the country, free of charge, and people have a very good experience with them. All of the care that's provided in those stop smoking services now is underpinned by a national clinical guideline. I led the group to develop that national clinical guideline. We examined all of the evidence around the effectiveness and the safety of different options in terms yeah. of helping people stop smoking. And there's lots of things that we recommend in terms of behavioural support, in terms of stop smoking medicines and so on. Uh, We looked at the question of whether or not e-cigarettes are helpful in terms of helping people stop smoking. We considered that sort of we, we had to be very open-minded about it. You know, we, we looked at it through the same sort of frame and with the same questions that we used when we were looking at other things that might help. So we asked the question, are, are, do these products work in terms of helping people stop smoking? Are they safe? What are the wider considerations? Yeah. And when we worked through those, when we examined the evidence, including um, a big review that was conducted by the Health Research Board, we found that e-cigarettes did not stack up. Okay. So while there were um, studies out there and there were some studies that pointed potentially to e-cigarettes, cigarettes helping people stop smoking. Other studies didn't corroborate that. So the evidence base we found was quite mixed. Lots of issues then and lots of questions in terms of the safety of these products. And I think particularly for people like Susan, a healthcare professional who's meeting somebody in their office, who's worried about their health, is thinking about stopping smoking. When Susan recommends something, she needs to be confident that it's safe. And we don't have that sort of confidence when it comes to e-cigarettes. Whereas we do with Stop Smoking Medicines because they're all licensed by the Health Products Regulatory Authority. And it's back to the evidence. So sorry, Susan, I interrupted you there. Back to your exam 
examples, examples. of what people are smoking yeah, in well, I the just, vapes. Yeah, I just wanted just to say that there are two different yeah. types. Okay, so so one is somebody that's trying to quit. All right, and they obviously use the vape, or they might use the vape to replace the cigarettes, or use it with the cigarettes. And two are people that just vape. All right, and a lot of those people who just vape are the younger people, and they have never smoked. But because yeah. they actually start vaping, they're three to five times more likely to smoke. So that's a big. That's an incredible no-no. number. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So in addition to nicotine, some who are using the electronic devices as opposed to the disposable vapes, you know, not everybody, obviously, but are putting cannabis or marijuana into the actual electronic device. So, yeah, which is very, very scary. But you see, the problem, I I work a lot with young people, so Mm. I I understand a certain amount of it. And we were all young ourselves, you know. Um, Yeah. What do you say to people people, who say, well, young people will be young people. They'll try anything. Yeah. You see, people, when you're young, you know, if you start talking about your health, they expect to be healthy. And when you start saying, well, well, you know, you You've got to mind your body when you're 40, 50, 60. The repercussions of this might happen. You might get COPD, you might get cancer. And that to them feels like a million years away. Absolutely. They feel infallible. You know, it's like buying a new car. If you're going to abuse it for the first five, ten years, you don't expect it's going to last a lifetime. You know what yeah. I mean? You've got to keep servicing it regularly. You've got to mind it, fuel it properly. So, but young people find that very hard to comprehend and they don't really, really understand the dangers at that young age. So we have to bring it down to, to their level and explain to them. And it's not until they actually start feeling maybe a little bit tired or because, you know, a nicotine dependency can cause memory loss, can cause difficulty with concentration, cause mood swings, irritability, difficulty sleeping. And some young people might find that, you know, they're just really dependent. First thing in the morning, they want the vape. So like people who never smoked and even people who did smoke, maybe the older person that did smoke and they're now quitting smoking, they might never have smoked inside in their house but they're actually bringing the vape to bed and putting it under their pillow. Yeah. They have that need, even when they get to the toilet in the middle of the night, that they have to have this vape. That's how addictive this is. Yeah. So that makes them a little bit more scared. And that's when they present to me that they're feeling scared. Right. I was just going to ask you, what makes them take that first step of coming to you? Is it just they're feeling they're obsessed with this thing in their hand? Yeah. They start to feel scared. Some of them come for financial reasons, because obviously, you know, it costs a certain amount of money. But a lot of them, they kind of see their friends vaping and they kind of might be scared initially, but then they kind of realise this is actually becoming an issue. Right. And and alarmingly, I actually have a number of students as well who actually, they love the flavour so much because they don't need to eat after them. Yes. And I'm, I'm having a, a lot of this lately. You know, people with maybe mental health issues, eating disorders, and because the, the flavours are so strong, they feel, oh, I actually don't need something to eat now. Yeah. So I can keep in a calorie deficit because they're under so much pressure with social media and trying to keep their, you know, their, their weight down. And it's almost, you know, replacing a meal, oh which God. is really, really scary. So Susan, when they come into you, they come in with one problem, but then you obviously yeah. identify maybe other issues. And yeah. can you refer people on then? Yeah, that's the great yeah. thing about the service because, you know, like I totally, like I worked as a nurse and midwife for years in the clinical setting. So I totally understand the, pre- the pressures that healthcare professionals yeah. have. But thankfully with the Stop Smoking service, though we're busy, we like our first initial uh, consultation, particularly in the one-to-one service, we try and give the person as much time as they need. And a lot of things can get disclosed because smoking, vaping, it's complex. Yeah. And sometimes there's an elephant in the room that has to be dealt with before we get to the actual why you want to quit. Mm. And there's people with alcohol and um, gambling issues, substance abuse, people that are, you know, maybe lonely, recently bereaved. You know, I have a lot of international students and right. a lot of these international students might not have very many friends, find a very hard integration into society and they actually smoke or vape because they're lonely and, and yeah. they feel that loss. So the great thing is we can refer to other services. 
we're mech on steroids and stuff smoking. <laughs> <laughs> to be so because just explain mech is yeah. making every contact count. Making every contact count. Yeah. So, so the, the belief in mech is that, you know, as healthcare professionals, any interaction that you have with the public, you know, if they come in with a sore toe, with, you know, their arm has fallen off, we have to notice the arm as well as the toe. Yes, uh, yes, so yes. It's just, a, you know, these are valuable, you know, interactions with, with people. It might only take a minute, might take five minutes, that you might give them something that you can signpost them to a website, to a leaflet, to another service. We refer, like I have people, I would refer to Healthy Food Made Easy. Yes. Um, sometimes social prescribing, which is a fantastic service that's out there for people that maybe are recently bereaved, maybe lonely, not integrated in society. They don't really know how to access any supports or services or hobbies. They don't have the confidence maybe to go and find out this information themselves. So we can refer to all these different services, which is great. Uh, yeah. So we, we try and take a holistic approach as opposed to just focusing on just vaping. And while obviously that is the main purpose, we're not counsellors, sometimes you just need to go a little bit outside the scope to actually to really engage with the person so they build up rapport because you have to remember Noreen this service isn't just for a day we actually try and give uh, behavioural support for up to a year up um, to a year up to a year that's amazing and you know obviously we don't see them every week for a year but it's a 12 week programme that we actually give the nicotine replacement therapy for but they can contact us at any time into, and yeah. we will regularly so even if you don't smoke at the moment Paul people can still if they've got a problem with vaping or there's a parent worried about a child who's vaping they can refer on to the quit smoking services. Yeah, certainly our services yeah. around the country, especially where they have capacity, are providing that service. And that's a very important response to the problem. So certainly if somebody is worried about themselves in terms of their use of e-cigarettes or a parent is worried about a kid, they can reach out to services and they can be signposted to support yeah. or somebody may be able to meet them and, and, and give them some advice in relation to that. And I always think about some of them are odourless. So it's hard for parents to, you know, smoking, they would smell the smoke in the house, but the child could be smoking or vaping, I mean, in the room, in their bedroom or at school or whatever. And we constantly, I've seen a number of things in the papers or on the radio over the last while about the difficulty of kids smoking in schools. Yeah. So, yeah, do you, so how so, do you handle that kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, so look, I, I, you make good points, uh, Noreen, and, and just reflecting on them, I suppose the thing that I'm mindful of is when it comes to children and young people, when it comes to their health and well-being, obviously we, we try and work with the, the child and the young person themselves. But actually the, the environment around the, the child and young person is very, very important. And for children and young people, that environment is made up of their parents and families and then their schools. So I think parents and families in schools can play a really important role here in terms of protecting children against the harms of mm. e-cigarettes. So within the health services, we have launched a number of resources to help parents have discussions with their children and young people in relation to e-cigarettes. We've also done some work in terms of resources for schools. So, for example, we have developed a particular module around smoking and the use of e-cigarettes that can be delivered as part of the SPHE programme, uh, which is yeah. about kind of health education, social personal health education for children and young people in schools. Schools. So that's available now for schools and and certainly we would be recommending that schools would include e-cigarettes within their substance use policy, which many schools have. And I suppose, Noreen, we took the really exceptional step. I've not done this before in my professional life as a public health doctor, but going back to our early discussion and where are we with this problem and the worry that we have, we actually wrote to all schools across the country, all second level schools across the country before the summer, setting out the issues in relation to e-cigarettes and the risks that there are 
for children and young people and also signposting them to health service resources and to the importance of making sure that schools have in place that substance use policy, which includes e-cigarettes. So mm. I think that there's a lot that parents can do and there's a lot the schools can do as well to protect children and young people. I think it's tough for parents and I think we know that when it comes to e-cigarettes, perhaps parents heretofore have been a little bit uncertain or confused. You know, is this just a harmless water vapour? Yeah. Do I need to be worried about this? Is this just a health service overreacting? You know, things like that. We have clarified that in terms of firstly clarifying that from a health service perspective, we don't recommend e-cigarettes as a way to help people stop smoking. So I think clarifying that point is helpful in terms of people understanding what the risks are. As I say, we've produced information and resources that we're making available to parents as well. And I, I, I think podcasts like this are a very good opportunity yeah. to remind parents that, yes, I mean, in terms of all of the things that we know parents have to worry about when it comes to children and young people and, and the different conversations that they have, it would be very important in the same way as they, I'm sure, would have conversations with children and young people about smoking combustible cigarettes, regular yeah. cigarettes, yeah. that they would also have that discussion in relation to e-cigarettes and help people, uh, children, young people understand that there are risks there. And we know from decades of research when it comes to helping children not start smoking, that those conversations with parents are really, really powerful. You know, so I suppose our role as a health service is trying to support parents uh, to play their role. I don't think it should all rest on the shoulders of parents, though. As I say, schools have an important role to play and they can reinforce that. The other thing that I would call out is the importance that there is policy action here. People may be aware, may have picked up on the fact that there is legislation forthcoming that will put in place new safeguards to protect children and young people. So there's a tobacco and nicotine inhaling products bill, which is in its very final stages with our doll at the moment and hopefully will be moving to the president and and hopefully then will be enacted by our, our Minister for Health. And, and that will include a provision which will mean that it is illegal to sell e-cigarettes and associated liquids and things like that to a, a child and young people person, which is not the case in Ireland at the moment. And that's been a huge gap, yeah. you know. So you can walk into any shop and you can be sold. At this point, as we're recording the podcast today, a children or young person can walk into a newsagent, a petrol station, mm. a vape store in Killarney, in Tullamore, in Letterkenny, in North Dublin. And somebody that was aged 14 could be sold these products yeah. without any accountability for the retailer, mm. you know. So that's absolutely a gap that we need to address and very much welcome the move by our minister to address that through this forthcoming piece of legislation. And Paul, Hopefully that will be in, I think, by the end of the year. Hopefully, That's what yes. they're hoping. And when that does come in, who's going to police it or who's going to make that happen? Yeah, so our colleagues within the health services who run our environmental health services take the lead in terms of enforcing those regulations when it comes to protecting people against things that may be harmful yeah. to their health. I mean, there's a large number of environmental health officers across the country who probably behind the scenes, not everybody will be aware of the really good work that they do. They do huge good work in terms of food safety, in terms of water safety, in terms of, at the moment, things like tobacco control. But they will also be taking forward these provisions in terms of making sure that the retail environment when it comes to e-cigarettes is set up in a way that it will become illegal to sell a product to a child or a young person. So I think that's a very, very welcome measure. I don't know, Noreen, that that's necessarily the last step that we need to take from a 
policy perspective. I talked about the factors that may be driving the increasing use of e-cigarette across young children and young people. And that would include things like flavours, the packaging, colours, the, the point of sale, presentation of the products as well. I mean, I can think back to when I was a kid, you know, when you'd walk into a shop and you'd see this huge panel of different coloured packages behind the counter. And of course, that's become a thing of the past, mm. you know. And then I'm kind of increasingly aware, as I'm sure everybody is over the last couple of years, those of us that are old enough to remember that picture, you're starting to see it replicated now in terms of the display of e-cigarette products. So look, I think there are other measures beyond the measure, which hopefully will be in place by the end of the year, around things like flavours, around packaging, around point of sale advertising for our minister to look at. And it is welcome that he has uh, committed to examine those matters. Yeah, and I suppose because we've been able to achieve so much with cigarettes, you would hope that the same process would happen with the vapes and that so you think at the moment oh my god I see vapes every place yeah. they're they're in garages they're in every shop and every corner shop but so were cigarettes so at the beginning I was thinking how are we going to police this how is this going to happen yeah. but we've done it before and we yeah. can do it again exactly you know with exactly. support and with if there's an increased capacity I'm sure with environmental health officers and you know they get the support to be able to implement it but around the whole marketing Susan and yeah. you've got a lot of people coming to you to try and stop vaping and you've got such good examples as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's mind boggling, isn't it? The way that the industry has just taken over. And like yeah. Paul said, with the flavours, with the colours, with something matching your outfit, as you said, from your the the one of the girls earlier. <laughs> I mean, that's unbelievable. It is. And it's it's almost like an epidemic, yes. um, particularly among young people. And actually, you know, older people as well. I mean, I've had I've people, as I said, who are trying to quit. And I actually had one gentleman who was doing really, really well in his quit journey from cigarettes. And then his daughter said, oh, dad, look, you know, don't be using, I had given him an NRT inhalator, which mm. is nicotine replacement therapy inhalator. This tastes much better. And she ended up giving him her vape. So he actually got hooked on the vape very, very quickly. So then oh, we had two problems to do. Yeah. But look, he did, he did sort it out. But like, it is very, very appealing. But just to go back to just what you were saying there as well, like as a parent, I'm a parent myself and, and it's, it's very, very daunting as a parent. But look, you know, we're here to support parents as well, like not to be frightened about it. Yeah. Information is key. I mean, I always think if you can make an informed decision, um, you've got the information, you know, that that makes things an awful lot easier. You know, you were saying there about the vape, sometimes they're odourless. They can be, most of them are flavoured. But you might, if if the vape is odourless, you might still notice their mood changing. Um, okay. They can get irritable when they're they're withdrawing from the vapes. Because nicotine, when you when you withdraw from it, you can, you can have mood swings. Their concentration in school, their memory might be affected their the lacking of uh, sleep. They might find a difficulty to sleep. So there are other signs as well. So again, make that informed choice. Yeah. And just not to scare parents completely out there, but just to be aware that we're finding it hard to keep up with the tobacco industry because they're yes. fast. And then and once, as soon as regulation comes on one thing, they're on another. And there is something out there called snus. Just to be, just a little mention of it, it's not a vape, but it is actually a synthetic white nicotine uh, pouch. And an awful lot of young people are buying them. In fact, okay. I was daunted to, to see a, a major supermarket chain sells them online and this is highly 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 a lot of nicotine in it again highly addictive product that young people are putting in between their gums and their lips um, yeah. and it dissolves over an hour really really bad for their for their teeth and their gums and for their health in general so just to look out for those as well they come in attractive little tubs too so I don't want to frighten the parents but just no again, I think it's really important yeah get yeah. the information out it's a constant challenge there's yeah. something else and yeah. something else and just yeah. like you say informed yeah. just to inform parents of what's going yeah. on and supposing Susan if 
if somebody comes to you and they are because of all the reasons that you said already, you mm. know, they're just finding it's it's just too much. They're waking up at night. They're yeah. having their baby and they mightn't even be at that stage. How does it work? How does the service work? What's yeah. kind of step one step? They come into you. Yeah. What happens? Perfect. Yeah. Well, first of all, if somebody decides they want to to quit, the best thing to do is that they um, access the service and they can access the service in a number of ways. They can go online and quit.ie and they can select whether they want the one to one service, whether they want the week and quit, which is the group or they want to go for the telephone service or there's also uh, Facebook pages as well which is called You Can Quit or they can call a phone call although young people tend not to like to call yeah. <laughs> for some reason everything has to be instant so that's 1800 201203 so for anybody that wants any information it's there and when that happens you give your information you pick your clinic your county your clinic you will be contacted then by a stop smoking advisor and we will book you in for a pre-quit assessment It's um, as easy as that It's as so easy as that and fantastic. like you know in fairness we try and accommodate right across the country I mean this service is it's, it's everywhere now. It's, it's a lot of sponsored by Enhanced Community Care and Sloan Care by the government, which, you know, we were delighted about. I started my clinic on the north side of Dublin there March of last year. So they're quite new, but we're there yeah. every single week and we're at the end of a phone if we're not there in person. So they come in for a pre-quit assessment or we can do it on the phone, but it really, the accountability of face-to-face because we've carbon monoxide monitors for those that smoke and, you know, they re- you really can't lie if you've smoked and you've got yeah. these, these uh, monitors. Then also you've got the rapport, building up a relationship with somebody. So people like that and they think, OK, they nearly feel a sense of loyalty to you. Do you know Because they know you're there to help them. So they come and we have, as I said, an hour's consultation with them. Try and get them set a quit day. Talk about their, their smoking or their vaping habits or both. We do a little assessment on them to see their addiction score to make recommendations. If they're a smoker or a smoker and vapor, uh, we would obviously, we can give them a nicotine replacement therapy for anybody with tobacco addiction and we would give behavioural support to all. Excellent. And yeah. this is standardised throughout this is the country. standardised for everybody. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, obviously, if they're under 16, they need parental consent and we obviously yes. work with the GP. If they're between 16 and 18, we work with the GP, but they actually can refer themselves. And if they're over 18, like I, my, I have somebody who's 87 within my yeah. service. Do you know what I mean? So anybody's welcome. And it's never too late. It's never too somebody late. Somebody who's 87, it's never too exactly. late. Exactly. And me- medical card, non-medical card, it's free for all. It's free for all. That's fantastic. Hmm. Noreen, can I come back to um, just reflect on some of the points that Susan was making about e-cigarettes and its effect on the brain, particularly then its effect on mental health when it comes to children and young people. Look, I mean, if you look back a generation ago and you think about maybe the, the stigma and um, the fact that we wouldn't have talked much about mental health, particularly for children and young people. What's great is that that's all changed. And I think yeah. there's a much greater awareness among children and young people themselves as well as schools, as well as families, as well as youth groups who work with children and young people around the importance of mental health and the fact that people can experience difficult times and the importance of recognising that and making sure that there's support available. Well, I I think many children and young people may not be aware that uh, nicotine can affect their mental health, you know, and I think it's really welcome that uh, Susan put a spotlight on that. So we know that it can affect mood, it can affect sleep and uh, those factors together then, you you know, are, are very important in terms of the effect that it can have on people's mental mm. health. You know, uh, when it comes to smoking combustible cigarettes, we commonly highlight the issues that there are there with nicotine and combustible cigarettes and people's mental health. So I think it's really welcome that Susan has put a light on that because, as I say, there's high awareness, thankfully, across uh, children, young people and parents in schools about mental health. But I wonder how many of them would think that e-cigarettes are a risk when it comes to young people's mental health. Well, you know, it is. And yeah. I think that's another good reason for us to be having these conversations and taking action. 
Yeah. The other thing that I might just pick up on, which Susan mentioned there, is around um, the risk of people adding things to e-cigarettes. Uh, so that's definitely an issue. You know, um, I think that's an issue that we've seen in terms of cases that have been reported in the UK and Ireland. It's a really big issue that they experienced in the US a couple of years ago. So people may have been aware of the outbreak of something called e-valley, which was um, e-cigarette associated lung injury. This was a situation where particularly young people, young adults who had been using e-cigarettes started to present to emergency departments in the US with very severe lung disease, acute lung disease, feeling short of breath, having other symptoms as well. When that was investigated, there was a, an outbreak called the Centre for Disease Control in the US investigated that. And when they investigated, what they found was that many, not all, but, but, but the high proportion of people that presented with um, E-Valley, that acute lung injury associated with e-cigarettes, had added something to the cigarette. Okay. Um, so they were using uh, THC, cannabinoids and things like that. And in particular, there was a chemical called uh, vitamin E acetate um, associated with those additives in, in e-cigarettes. So I, I think it's very important that children, young people who are using e-cigarettes potentially would be aware that that's a big risk. And then for parents and, and people working with young people, for example, in schools or youth groups, that they will be aware of those risks around additives to e-cigarettes. As we've already discussed, you know, the e-cigarettes themselves um, are harmful and have risks associated with them. But certainly the prospect of yeah. um, a child or young person adding something in to an e-cigarette, that'd be something that would really worry me. I know. And we are reading about that. And we have anecdotal evidence of that in many, many areas, you know. And Paul, where are we going from here with vaping? What are the next steps that we really need to take, say, even in the next couple of years? Obviously, we need to gather more evidence. We need to know exactly what's really happening out there. We're waiting for the research. But where do you see us going in the next maybe even two to five years? Yeah. So, well, look, the first thing I would say is that um, if we look over the last 10 years or so, we have seen this increase in terms of the use of e-cigarettes. And we've ta we're talking today particularly about children and young people. And I, I think firstly, what we'd like to see is that that increasing use levels off and hopefully that we'd start to see it decrease. The awareness raising, the information, the discussions like the discussions that we're having today, I think are a very important measure there. From a policy perspective, I've already talked about the Tobacco and Nicotine Inhaling Products Bill, which is in its very late stages and hopefully will be enacted before the end of the year or in early 2024. That will put in the first set of protections for children and young people when it comes to e-cigarettes. Um, I'm not sure necessarily that that's where we'll stop. I know the minister himself has raised a point about examining things like uh, flavours, colours, points of sale, retail regulation. And there are measures that are in place in other jurisdictions. So I think we need to examine those as well. I think when we step back from it and look at it in the broader context of our, our, our ongoing fight in terms of the harms caused to the population by uh, cigarettes. There is this question then as evidence accumulates, as products change, whether or not e-cigarettes may have a role in terms of um, helping people who smoke quit. Now, as I said already, that's a question that we examined really comprehensively here in Ireland for the development of our National Stop Smoking Guidelines recently. And at that point in time, we felt that they did not stack up. Obviously, studies continue to be ongoing and, and evidence accumulates. I'm very interested in the developments that we're hearing about in Australia. So in Australia, it was illegal for somebody to buy a nicotine containing e-cigarette on the high street. And Australia are examining proposals to introduce a situation where 
e-cigarettes would only be available through pharmacies and may only be available to people on prescription. So I, I think that's a really interesting development because what that may offer the opportunity to do is to, for people who currently smoke, who perhaps have tried lots of different things, if the studies come through and tell us that e-cigarettes are helpful in terms of helping people to quit smoking, it means that e-cigarettes become available for those people in a very safe way. Yeah. And then at the same time, we are protecting children and young people for whom, as I've said already, there's absolutely no health value or benefit in uh, using an e-cigarette from taking up that habit. So personally, professionally, I'm very interested in watching what's happening in Australia because I think they are grappling with and trying to find a way to, on the one hand, protect children and young people and on the other hand, explore whether or not for a small number of people who currently smoke, e-cigarettes may have something to offer. But I, I, I think as well, um, Noreen, while it's really important that we have these conversations today as we're having in relation to e-cigarettes, very important as well that we continue our discussions around the harm caused to the population by smoking, you mm. know, and that we have these discussions in relation to e-cigarettes against that backdrop. So let's just remind ourselves, you know, this week in Ireland, a hundred, almost 100 people are going to die from smoking-related disease. Mm-hmm. As we come into the winter and we think about all the pressures that are going to be on our health services, let's remind ourselves that each week in Ireland, almost a thousand people present to hospitals because of smoking related disease. So we're still deep in an epidemic of smoking related harm in Ireland, while smoking prevalence has reduced. And it's still one in five approximately adults in Ireland are smoking combustible cigarettes, you know, and, and that has devastating consequences for their health. So I think it's very important that government, of course, move in terms of these actions from a policy perspective to protect children and young people against e-cigarettes. But it's also very important that they continue to take big, bold policy actions, implement legislation to protect the population against the devastating harms caused by uh, smoking. And I'm really interested in developments that we're seeing from New Zealand, for example. So people may have heard that uh, New Zealand are leading the way by putting in place policies and legislation for tobacco-free generation, which would actually mean that children born after a particular year would never in their lifetime, they could never legally be sold a tobacco product. They're also reducing the number of points across the country where tobacco products are being sold as well. I think they are very interesting policy measures. They're measures that we spoke to the public here in Ireland around. So we we ran a survey with the public uh, back in 2022 and we asked them what they thought about this idea of actually bringing the harm caused by smoking to an end, trying to eliminate the product completely, introducing a tobacco-free generation, uh, reducing the number of points where you can buy cigarettes across the country, reducing the nicotine content, for example, in combustible cigarettes. And when we spoke to people about that, there was overwhelming support for those sort of measures. I think everybody in Ireland, you know, and I know myself, like everybody, if you think about family and friends, has been touched in some way by the harm caused by smoking. You know, and I think everybody is just at a point where they want to see that problem brought to an end. And I think it's within the gift of our political leaders to bring in place policies and legislation that will put us on a path towards a tobacco-free Ireland. So while definitely it's really important that we have these conversations around e-cigarettes, I think it's also important that we keep our eye on that issue around the devastating harm caused to the population by smoking and that we are putting in place measures to bring that to an end. Yeah, well, Paul, I think that we have an awful lot to think about. And I think that it was a really rich conversation. So, Susan, if somebody is listening to us today and they're thinking, OK, oh, I'm not really sure about vaping and should I try, what advice would you give them? What would you say? 
Well, first of all, is if they haven't started, don't. Um, that's the big yeah. thing because you're, you're going to get roped in much quicker than you think and it's going to get be highly addictive. So we, we don't want that for you. And well done for not uh, to date. But for those of you that have, obviously, the sooner you quit, the better. And what we say to you is our service is confidential. So everything you say to us, unless you're going to be harmed to yourself or other people, is completely confidential. We're also non-judgmental. And you can come through the door as many times as you need to come through the door because with any addiction, it is very difficult to quash initially. So you might need a couple of attempts and that's okay. You know, we'll give it our best and, you know, we'll treat you with absolute respect. And we'd ask you just to let us help you quit and and take back control like the campaign, uh, take back control. Mm. Everybody's welcome. All ages are welcome. So get in touch. And can I just repeat those numbers again? Absolutely, Susan, that'd be great. Yes, we have a free phone number, which is 1800 201 203. We free text quit, Q-U-I-T, to 50100. You can go online to www.quit.ie or you can tweet at the quit team at hate to see quit team. Or you can go onto Facebook and www.facebook.com forward slash hate to see quit. That's fantastic, Susan. Thank you so much. For some reason, I don't think this is going to be the last conversation we have about this topic. You know, and I hopefully next year we'll be able to do something else on it. I think the information, Susan, that you have and the services that you provide for people is invaluable. And all of your colleagues around the country, I think it's incredible. And I think with Paul gathering all of the evidence that you've mentioned there, Paul, from around the world, really, it's really inspiring that there are things like that that we can aim towards. It's really amazing. So I'd like to thank you very much for being here with us today. And just to our listeners, if you would like to get in touch about the podcast, please send an email to healthandwellbeing.communications at HSE. As always, we ask that you share this episode with a friend or a colleague or somebody you think who would be interested in this topic or somebody you think that this podcast would benefit. And thank you very much for listening.